I mentioned that Dr. Patrick Borgen would join us. He is, uh, he's an amazing doctor. He is, um, the chair of surgery and director of the breast cancer program and associate director of the Maimonides Cancer Center, of course, at Maimonides Medical Center. And, uh, he's been with Maimonides since 2006, founder of the breast cancer program, associate director of Maimonides, and was appointed chair of surgery in 2009. He currently serves as chief medical advisor to the Susan G. Komen Foundation of Greater New York, serves as chairman and director of the Miami Breast Cancer Conference, the largest and oldest breast cancer meeting in this country. He's author of more than 300 original articles and three textbooks, joins us via telephone. Dr. Borgen, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning. It's it's really a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. I remember my most recent visit just touring, uh, thank God, the uh, the cancer center at Maimonides, uh, uh, a, a state-of-the-art facility. Tell me, tell me if this is a fair evaluation or not. Uh, essentially, did you want to make sure that this facility would be one where people wouldn't feel the need to go into a Manhattan institution where right in Brooklyn you have everything you need to care for somebody with cancer? Yeah, that's so that's 100% right. You know, before coming out to Brooklyn in 2006, I ran the breast surgery program at Memorial Sloan Kettering, which is a, a great center and a, and a beautiful center. But but Brooklyn needed something like that. Um, people should not have to go to Manhattan for their care. And so our driving motivation, our passion was uh, world-class care in Brooklyn for Brooklyners. And that's what led to the development of this center. Unbelievable. And I know that this is not exactly our topic, but I'd love to speak with anybody uh, during the month of October associated with the Susan G. Komen Foundation of of Greater New York, they have made such inroads nationally, obviously October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, you're aware of what they do with the NFL, one of the largest institutions in this entire country. How have they gone ahead and progressed to the point where they've made everybody aware of this disease to this level? Right. It's a great point. You know, this is women advocating for women. Uh, they do a much better job than men advocating for men. <laughs> and uh, they have been the squeaky wheels. They have lobbied, they have walked, and they have fought. And, it, and it's paid off. Uh, Susan G. Komen has raised literally billions of dollars to use to fight this, this terrible disease that we all dread. Unbelievable. Well, we talk about the importance, and we try to remind everybody in the audience, obviously, of early detection with any cancer, with any disease. Obviously, if there's a possibility of early detection, that's uh, the best option. It seems that every other area of what you're involved with just gets more and more complicated, and, and, and you'll see what I mean. I'm sure you know what I mean, but the audience will see what I mean in a moment. But let's start with that. The early detection, of course, mammograms, etc., still remains the number one line of defense. I'm so happy that you started with that because <laughs> there has been controversy surrounding this. The controversy is based on on bad research. Mammograms save lives. A woman who starts at the age of 40, who gets a mammogram once a year, has a more than 40% less chance of dying of this disease. And in fact, when we find a breast cancer on a mammogram that we can't feel, the cure rate is is 97%. Wow. So I'm so happy that you started with get a mammogram. It's so important. And the 3D mammogram is now common or it's still it's it's hard to find a machine like that. It's it, they're they're not common, but uh, all of the recent research shows that 3D mammograms are better. 
than conventional mammograms. We have uh, Brooklyn's only 3D mammogram at Maimonides. Uh, if you're in Manhattan, if you're in New Jersey, find out if your center has uh, 3D mammograms. It's also known as tomo mammography or tomosynthesis mammography, and it really represents a significant advantage over conventional mammography. Unbelievable. And the 3D's been around for how long? It's been around for for less than 10 years. It's been really popularized in the last five years. And in a nutshell, what it does is it takes a three-dimensional picture of the breast so that you can turn the breast digitally in space and look at it from all angles, and it lets us see things that we don't see on regular mammograms. Unbelievable. Dr. Patrick Borgen is with us, Chair of Surgery and Director of the Breast Cancer Program, Maimonides Medical Center. Spoke about early detection. Now the complicated stuff starts. Maybe not for you, but you know, for, for the average person like myself, because basically the, the, the area of trying to save someone's life when they have breast cancer at this point has become so specialized you have you ha- you and the experts have gone ahead and and uh, created a situation where you're where you're uh, fighting I, I guess divisions and subdivisions of the disease at this point right right that's such a good point um, we used to think of breast cancer as a single disease and that was a big mistake breast cancer is a family of diseases it's a large family of diseases uh, and what we have to do is match the treatment to the disease. I, I like to say that everybody knows someone who's had breast cancer. And very often the story is, well, it was early, but she didn't do well, or it was late and she did well. And, and people have wondered for years, how can this be? How can there be such a wide right. range of outcomes Good point. with this disease? Well, the answer is we have to identify the sub, you know, the subset, as you said, the family member, and that's the complicated part. Right, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, there, there actually is going to be immunity to certain cancers. I mean, in the area of breast cancer, based on uh, uh, what I saw in advance of this conversation, it seems that that's actually advancing, that there's, uh, that there's some hope down the road in that area. Right. We, we have always believed that if we could turn our own immune systems against our cancers that it would be an enormous weapon and so for the first time in the last two years we've identified some vaccines against very specific types of breast cancer where a woman's own immune system tackles her cancer and the results are staggering absolutely staggering what does that tell us about cancer in general all the other types aside from breast cancer will, we, will there be you know vaccinations that can be applied to other areas yeah i the answer is yes i think that breast cancer is five to ten years ahead of most other solid tumors and again that goes back to uh... your list your female listeners who have fought right. <laughs> fought this fight but the answer is yes, and and when we think about vaccines, we're using them now on trials for treatment rather than for prevention. And so uh, what we're seeing is patients who really a few years ago would have passed away in a few months uh, are living four, five, six years now. It's it's really amazing. Unbelievable. Dr. Patrick Borgen is with us. All right, Dr. Borgen, you know what the big topic is for this audience. Uh, I don't know what you encountered when you were in Manhattan, but I'm sure now that you're in Brooklyn, you have met a, a, even a much larger uh, membership of our community, and there yes. seems to be, there seems to be an, a, 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 some type of... Uh, 
of situation, we've discussed this before, uh, where Eastern European Jewish families, in fact, have a an association or a greater association with the possibility of getting breast cancer. Why is this, and what progress have we made in this specific area? Right. Um, you're 100% right. So in the late 90s, uh, the lab that I ran at Memorial discovered uh, a mutation in a gene called BRCA2 that was completely unique to the Eastern European Jewish population. And uh, there are similar mutations on, on BRCA1, the companion gene. So these two genes are very, very prevalent in the Ashkenazi population. In fact, one in 50 Ashkenazi women with no history of anything, no breast cancer history, is, is, is walking around carrying these genes. And a woman who carries the gene has about a 70% chance of getting breast cancer and about a 30% chance of getting ovarian cancer. So we've been doing a lot of public outreach and, and trying to just work with the community that I live in now uh, to try to raise awareness of the importance of this. And now that you're associated with so many highly targeted therapies, you know, literally, you know, aiming at the specific type of cancer, is there more hope because a specific community, you know, has this one gene because there's highly targeted therapies? Is there, you know, more advancement in that area because you get to work with a, you know, with one specific group knowing that that one specific gene is what's causing all this? Uh, absolutely, yes. Both of these genes are very attractive targets for therapy. And so uh, billions of dollars are being spent on how to really focus like a guided missile our therapies in this subset. So while the incidence in the, in the Ashkenazi population is high, the opportunity is also high. Yeah, that was my point, and it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we, we talk about the bad news, so to speak, that, right. you know, that, that, that population could suffer more, God forbid, but then you talk about the good news that there's more of a chance of actually solving the problem. Right. We've really been working with, with, with a lot of the rabbinical leaders, um, in Brooklyn who, who, their medical knowledge is astounding. I mean, I'd like to hire these guys on my staff, <laughs> uh, because their, their level of understanding is so profound, and we've really been working with them to try to remove any stigmata that may be associated with with testing for these genes. Well, uh, what would you say has been, I don't know, over the last year or so, the most recent innovation at the cancer center in general? I can imagine that things are always developing, and obviously, you know, there's always new research and things that you're implementing based on that research. Anything over the last few months that we should know about? We we have about 20 drug trials that are open. Uh, at the Maimonides Breast Center, and there are a couple of agents, uh, drugs, that in subsets of patients are so remarkable. We're seeing cure rates that we've never seen before. We're also doing something called genomic profiling, where we're looking at genes in cancers, and what we've learned is that over half of the women who got chemo in the past probably didn't need it. We probably could have treated them in other ways. And so we've seen a reduction in extensive surgery. We've seen a reduction in chemotherapy with cure rates going up. And so it's, it's very exciting. And any therapy, any chemo or otherwise that would be available, you know, again, anywhere at the top hospitals in the country, you match that. Nobody has, nobody has to leave your neighborhood. They can come on a regular basis if, God forbid, they need it. And that, that's really true. We've, we've recruited a, a remarkable team. I think that... 
breast cancer used to be about the expert. I think it's now about the team. It's so complicated that you want a surgeon and an oncologist and a radiation oncologist and so on and so on so that you have doctors looking at your particular case from all angles. We present every single patient's story to a board every week. And so a patient's getting a team opinion uh, when we see them, and I think that's really unique. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, obviously, if anyone needs information, they could simply search for the Maimonides Cancer Center, and they'll they'll get all the info they need, right? Yeah, I hope I hope that we never need to see you know your listeners. Yeah. But we are there if if they need us. No question about that. And by the way, on a practical level, I'm so curious because you know you know how the media is. <laughs> the curiosities like this, we we know that. Uh, uh, that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and there's been obviously a, a heightened level of awareness because of it. But but aside from seeing athletes wearing pink, do, do you see a a change in attitude where you are over this month? Do you see uh, a, 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 I don't know, either more awareness or more questions from people in the community because it's October? We definitely do. I, I'm sort of tired of pink. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, there, there's a there's a phenomenon out there called pink washing where companies will paint their product pink to try to help the sales, and I, I think that's pretty despicable. But the fact is is that we do see an increase in mammography. Um, what kills us are are, are bad news stories. If if, right. if the New York Times publishes an erroneous article about mammography, then it sets back. Uh, mammography usage for years. And, and all so, the international news outlets picked it up. Yeah, a little bit of bad press yeah. is, is really harmful. And, um, you know, mammograms aren't fun. They're not comfortable. And if a woman is on the fence about having a mammogram and she reads in the New York Times that that it may not be helpful, she's not going to get a mammogram. Right. And then our chance at early detection and, and kinder, gentler treatments kind of is lost understood yeah. uh it is always a delight to speak with you continue your amazing you. uh, life-saving so work. happy that you had me on i really appreciate it so much i appreciate i knew we'd do it before the end of october <laughs> and, we, and we got it in thank god thank you so much Nakam. be well dr borgen there he is dr patrick borgen one of the nicest people you ever want to meet he's chair of surgery director of the breast cancer program at Monides medical center and of course uh, we did want to make sure we spoke to him before the end of October. It was good we had him at the end of October. We got to ask him that question about, you know, whether people, in fact, were asking more questions and bringing uh, stuff to his attention over the last four weeks. We got to see the effect uh, that their incredible campaign has had here in the United States and beyond. Uh, my thanks to Dr. Borgen. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmintheam.org. <laughs>